Welcome in to the Vol Basketball Fever Podcast. We're the podcast for Vol Basketball fans everywhere. We bring you discussions, debates, and the latest news of the Vols and Lady Vols basketball programs. Hello, everyone, and welcome in to another episode of the Vol Basketball Fever Podcast. I am Nathaniel Rutherford, and we're here for another special edition of the episode of the podcast here. I am joined by a special guest, Coach Ben Wisniewski. He is the head coach of the Montverde Academy postgraduate program, not the, the regular Montverde Academy that a lot of you have probably heard of, but the postgrad program, because that is where Quentin DeBonjay, Tennessee's most recent commit, went to school, not at the regular Montverde, but the Montverde Academy postgraduate program. So I want to talk to his head coach and get him on the podcast here to kind of let Vol fans know, you know what, what Tennessee's getting. I, I did get a chance to talk to Quentin and I mentioned that on the most recent episode <clears throat> of the podcast with Gene uh, that came out on Wednesday night and, and probably a lot of you, you know, got a chance to get it downloaded and stuff on Thursday. But unfortunately, the recording with Quentin didn't work out. Uh, it, it didn't record correctly, so I didn't get a chance to, you know, you all won't get a chance to actually hear him, unfortunately. But I thought I'd get his head coach on and, and talk about that and, you know, get his breakdown of Quentin DeBonjay, Tennessee's newest Commitment, uh, a French 6'6 wing player who I think after you, you hear this uh, this interview here with Coach Wisniewski, I think you're going to be even more excited than a lot of you may have already been about the addition of the intriguing uh, French prospect who came into the United States and you know has been here for, I, I, he told me how long he'd been here. It's not super long. I, I think he'd been here a little bit before he went to Montverde, but I, I don't remember. But from speaking with him, um, he already seems fairly bilingual. I, I, don't, I don't think, you know, the learning the English language is going to be a big barrier for him like it was for when Eve Pons first got to Tennessee. That was a, a barrier for him. He's going to, you know, there's going to be things where learning different terminologies and, and you know, kind of expressing himself, um, you know, more vehemently and, and more confidently is going to be a thing that I think it, it'll, you know, take some time to adjust to. But overall, I, I think his communication and stuff is going to be just fine. Um, he seems to fit very well into the system that Rick Barnes likes at Tennessee, both defensively and I think offensively potentially too, uh, from discussing here with, with Coach Winooski that you're going to hear. But yeah, there's been a lot more that's happened since Gene and I last recorded. We were talking about a very busy week over the last week. And since then, here on, I recorded this interview on Friday afternoon and putting the finishing touches on it on Friday evening. Uh, but on Friday morning and early afternoon, Tennessee had more roster movement. Uh, just to catch you guys up on that, and, and Gina and I will talk about that, um, I think, probably early next week. But Tennessee had several other guys leave the roster on Friday. You had, I think, in the morning around like 9.30, 9.45 or so, uh, at Eastern time in the morning, EJ Anasicki was reported to have entered the transfer portal. I can't say I'm, I'm stunned by that, but it was also, at the same time, like it, it was a little surprising because you heard talk from Rick Barnes kind of mid-season that Anasicki had mentioned that he would, I think he was looking to come back and said, yes, he's going to take um, advantage of that extra year of eligibility that the COVID stuff was was giving seniors, you know, like like Fulkerson and Anasicki and Pons essentially too. But now he's going to transfer. That was, that was before his minutes really diminished and he wasn't really in the rotation during the last, you know, 10 games of the season, essentially. So he's going to transfer out. It looks like Corey Walker announced that he, or he didn't announce it, but it was announced and reported that Corey Walker was in the transfer portal, the four-star recruit who never saw the court for Tennessee this past year. Um, Gina and I talked a little bit about him, I think, in the last podcast about 
his skill set not being utilized and him not being we think you know there's probably I think there are, are multiple reasons why he is in the transfer portal I think on a both sides type of thing here um but it's not a surprise again that he's in the transfer portal and then you had Ifans officially announcing he's going to the NBA draft which was not a surprise so now you have three guys who put their names in the NBA draft and you have four guys who have elected to transfer you got Keon Johnson, Jaden Springer, Eve Pons going to the draft. You have Drew Pember, Devontae Gaines, EJ Anasicki, and Corey Walker all announcing that they're transferring. And you have Pember going to UNC Asheville. And you have Gaines, who announced on Friday that he is going to George Mason, following former Tennessee coach, assistant coach Kim English to George Mason, who is now the head coach there, which I think that's a good fit for him. I'll be excited to see Devontae down there. And I, I really are up there, I guess. I, I cannot remember where George Mason is. I feel like it's midwest northeastern type area uh, if i remember correctly but i could absolutely be wrong on that um but i i wish both ticket gains and kim english the best of luck and i hope they both have success at george mason and help that program um you know maybe to make it another ncaa tournament maybe they'll maybe there'll be another george mason final four run in the next couple years that, that'd be pretty cool but without further ado let's get to my interview here with coach ben winooski or wisniewski excuse me of montverde academies postgrad program again appreciate all of you who listen week in a week out if this is your first time listening uh, please consider con- subscribing we're on apple podcast spotify google podcast and now we're also on iHeartRadio. they have a podcast division and we're on there as well and we're on podbean you can visit our website there the podbean app that has all our links to everywhere else you can subscribe to us too we're also on twitter and facebook at vol hoops fever on twitter and vol basketball fever on facebook Gina and I will be back for another episode, at least one more next week. We may do two, depending on how much more news comes out. Uh, it's been a very busy last couple of weeks for Tennessee basketball. So we'll see. But Gina and I will be back next week for another episode. I want to give you the interview here with Ben Wisniewski, the head coach of Montverde Academy's postgrad program about Tennessee commitment, Quentin DeBonje. Hello, everyone, and welcome in to another special edition here of the Vol Basketball Fever podcast. I am Nathaniel Rutherford, and I'm joined by another special guest here, bringing in a coach in the high school ranks. It is Coach Ben Wisniewski. He is the head coach at the Montverde Academy National Postgrad Team, and I'm bringing him on to talk about Tennessee's latest commitment in men's basketball in the 2021 class, Quinton DeBonje. Coach, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Nathaniel. Absolutely. So to kind of start things off here really quickly, I know when people saw you know, that Quentin was from Montverde. That, that a lot of people are thinking, oh, that's a big-time school. You know, we, we know that that name. There's a lot of guys that have played there. And in fact, you know, Tennessee uh, signee Kennedy Chandler had just played against Montverde recently. Um, but it's a little different. This is the post-grad team. And I wanted you to, you know, I'm sure a lot of our listeners and probably myself really uh, don't fully understand the difference. You know, what's the post-grad team? What's the difference between that and, and the other Montverde Academy? So uh, if you really can really quickly, you know, kind of shed some light on that and what's the difference between the post-grad and the, the kind of the school that I think most fans probably know the name of. Absolutely. So our varsity team is who everybody's familiar with. That's coached by Kevin Boyle, who is the director of our academy and the head coach. And they have won the six national championships, the high school varsity team. So our post-grad program, you go to post, players go to post-grad typically for one or two reasons. One, academically, they need to improve their GPA to qualify for the Division One level, or two, they just want to work on their game and develop from a basketball standpoint. So post-grad is they graduate from high school, they come to Montverde to continue to develop, you know, both athletically and academically, 
they don't lose a year of eligibility, and then they still have their four years of eligibility at the college level. Awesome. Okay, cool. Well, with that in mind at Montverde, how did you guys end up kind of finding out about Quentin and then go about adding him to the team? How did that process play out of getting him um, onto the roster and onto the end of the school? Yeah, well, Coach Ray Miller is one of the assistants, and he's very well connected all over the all over the world. So he had received a phone call, uh, someone informing him of Quentin, and then we did our research and connected uh, with his people in France and uh, found a way to, to get him to Montverde, and it worked out well. Awesome. So he, he just spent one year with you guys, is that correct? Yep, so he, he graduated from high school and then just came here for his post-grad season. Awesome. So he, I know when I I got I get to talk with him briefly, um, unfortunately, and I tried to record with him, the recording didn't work. So I, you know, unfortunately, the the listeners here won't get a chance to hear my interview with him. But I, I have shared a few thoughts already and, and things that he said to me. I know when I asked him kind of the difference between the European and American game, he, he gave his thoughts on that. I, I'm curious from you watching him, you know, his, his play in the one year at Montverde. How quickly did you notice him starting to adjust to the American style of basketball compared, you know, him playing European for so many years? Was it was it kind of a quick adjustment? Was it something that took a little bit of time? You know, how, how would you say he is in that and still in that kind of adjustment right now? Yeah, I think there's still a lot of area of growth and improvement, but we saw typically you see it around Christmas time, you know, get the kids here in early September, late August, and you get a couple months under your belt of practice and then you really start to see the progression right around Christmas. And the biggest thing with Quentin, he's so, you know, fast, strong, athletic, quick. It was about playing with pace. You know, we tell our players that pace is the appropriate blend of speed and control, and he can fly up the court at 100 miles per hour. Uh, so our emphasis with Q was knowing when to speed up, knowing when to slow down, picking your spots, when to attack, recognizing uh, you know, when you have an advantage and when you don't. And he really got better in that area uh, as the year went on. The unfortunate part is we got hit with COVID halfway through, and so there was a, a six-week, basically we had two seasons. We had the first half, and then we had a six-week break due to Christmas break plus uh, COVID circumstances. So he didn't practice for six straight weeks. Uh, but I, we were, I was really happy with his progress and how he was playing entering into Christmas. Then it was almost like a restart for the second half of the year with the whole team, and then we saw it again, you know, towards the end of the year of him uh, really understanding, you know, pace of play and the concept of uh, speeding up, slowing down, when to accelerate, when to de- decelerate. Yeah, that makes sense. I know, uh, obviously, a lot of teams across the country at all levels were hit by COVID in, in varying degrees this year. So, I hate that you guys hit, got hit like that, but it, it does sound like you know at least you did get to have a second half of the season and finish, you know, on a high note there, not having to had things canceled in the second half, uh, at least. You mentioned there the, kind of the, the break, this the six-week break you had at Christmas time. Was that kind of when Quentin's recruitment started to take off? Because I know personally, you know, from seeing reports and, and, and different things like that on, on what Tennessee was looking at for recruits and stuff, he's a name I didn't really see mentioned, I think, probably until, I, I want to say, maybe late February, but probably more like in March time. So what was it kind of around that Christmas time break where Quentin's recruitment really started to, you know, get some traction hey absolutely yep he just needed to to play get some game film play in the post-grad world play in the states and then he had such a great first half of the year we started sending out film you know right around christmas break and he jumps off the page with his again speed and athleticism 
that attracted a lot of college coaches. So, yeah, it really picked up right around that Christmas time frame. Do you happen to remember when Tennessee first contacted, and, and have you had a chance to talk to any of Tennessee's coaches? Oh, well, believe it or not, I, I have not. I, Coach Schwartz did reach out. We've been playing a little phone tag recently, but mm-hmm. uh, Quinton, one of his family friends, Raphael, is guide, was guiding a lot of his college recruitment. So I know Tennessee mm-hmm. was in contact with Raphael um, you know, throughout the process, and I had picked up you know, as the season uh, went down. So unfortunately, I have not had a chance to talk to the Tennessee staff, but of course would be happy to. Yeah, I know all about playing phone tag with people and coaches, especially that <laughs> that happens, especially you know during a season or during a recruiting process. It's uh, it, it's it's hard to get a hold of coaches for more than you know five or ten minutes. So that's why I'm very appreciative of you taking time uh, to do this interview with me because I know your time is very valuable. So I'm very appreciative of that. Um, looking just kind of actually on the court, we haven't really talked about Quentin on the court a whole lot here. Uh, when I did get a chance to speak with him. He talked about his his defense because I saw in a, a different interview I think you did with Two or Seven Sports. You mentioned him being a, you think an elite defender, and you know kind of mentioning how how good of a defender you think he is. So I asked him about that and I said, you know what what how would you kind of describe yourself as a defender? And he mentioned a guy that he likes on defense and tries to model himself after was Gary Payton, which I thought was pretty cool that a kid his age not only knows who Gary Payton is but likes to model his game after Gary Payton. So first of all, I think that's really cool. And secondly, I, I'm curious your thoughts on his defense and what you think makes him such a good defender, and, and do you see any of that Gary Payton in him? Uh, that's interesting. It's the first time I heard the Gary Payton comparison. You know, he's not a, a, a point guard like Gary Payton, but mm-hmm. he defends at a really high level, and that is absolutely his strength. He just he has quick feet, so he really moves well left and right. He can guard multiple positions. He's got a strong body head-to-toe. I mean, he's ready physically to compete tomorrow, you know, at the at the high major level. And there will be adjustments of defensive concepts and positioning off the ball and where your feet and playing angles. But he is as good as, as anybody uh, I saw this year of guarding the ball, sitting in the stands, and being able to do that. He can pick up a small point guard. And defend him. He could guard a big six-six wing and defend him. He is as good as an on-ball defender as I have seen at either level. You know, watching varsity games and with how good our varsity guys are and post-grad games, he's as good as it gets when it comes to defending the basketball. Now, I'm not, I'm not sure. You know, what kind of defensive strategy you guys run? If you do a zone or a man, typically, but how did you usually use him? defensively this year was he a guy that more you know top of the key kind of guarding the on-ball guy or the guy who had the the ball in his hands or was he you know used more on the wing how did you guys use him defensively within your system yeah we we played 99 percent man-to-man and he Mm -hmm. guarded the best perimeter player on the other team uh, regardless if it was a point guard or if it was a wing so one two three or four uh, if they were a perimeter guy and it was their best player that's who Q guarded Nice. That's I'm, Vol fans. I'm sure love to hear that. Rick Barnes likes to implement um, more of a man-to-man defense, also. So I think that you know sounds like he'll fit in well from a, a scheme perspective there. And Tennessee had um, a guy this past year in Keon Johnson, who is a really exceptional on-ball defender, who's probably going to be a you know a top ten lottery pick in the NBA this year, just as after having a freshman season. So I think you know hearing that Quentin can maybe fill those shoes, maybe maybe not as much immediately, but at least at some point. I think that's that's going to be exciting because. Uh, Keon's defense was game-changing, and it sounds like Quentin has uh, a little bit of that edge to him 
um, as well. And just kind of, you know, he, he mentioned Gary Payton, so I got to ask: Was he is he kind of a, a tenacious guy on on defense? Is he a guy that you know? Um, I don't imagine he's going to be you know quite as as vocal or quite as you know in your face as Gary Payton was. But w- what is Quentin like as a defender? Is he is he really that kind of uh, bulldog type guy out there? He, he can he can really guard the ball and bother the ball handler. He doesn't uh, talk trash like Gary Payton, <laughs> uh, not quite like that. But he can really disrupt the basketball and he can get in passing lanes and get steals. He uh, really has the skill set to be a, a great defender everywhere. He's already great on the ball, and he will be great off the ball when uh, Rick Barnes gets a hold of him and starts really getting after him defensively. So moving to the offensive side, um, you've mentioned before his athleticism and moving up and down the court. I think I saw it was reported, I think a couple of people on Twitter mentioned that he, he shot something like 40-something percent from three this year. What would you, you know, how would you describe him offensively? Because I, 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 talking to him, he mentioned that he likes to move in transition, um, and I, I've gotten to see just a little bit of his film. It doesn't seem like he's just typically like a, a catch and shoot type of guy. He's not a guy who's going to jack up a bunch of threes, but it, it does bode well that he it seems like he was, you know, efficient from there. So, how would you describe his offensive game, and or how did you guys use him on offense? We we relied on him pretty heavily to uh, score for us. And uh, he was our, our go-to guard wing scorer. He's at his best in transition when you can kick it up to him and you can catch it and rip and, you know, take two, three dribbles and get to the basket. He's just fast, athletic, and explosive. He, and and it, he's attacking downhill. He is really tough to stop. So uh, a drive first, but a very capable three-point shooter. He had multiple games where he hit four or five threes in a game, an area that he'll continue need to develop from three he can get better but uh, he's a good shooter now he's not a great shooter but he's a hard worker he loves being in the gym and uh, the more repetitions he'll continue to get better in that area that that's very good to hear Tennessee uh, needs some more offense needs some more they weren't shooting and you know, needs a guy like that I think and I think he'll fit in well with what you know the kind of deficiencies Tennessee's roster has had the last couple of years you've kind of already hinted at it so I, I kind of feel like I know the answer to this question but how is his aggressiveness? Because I think that was another thing Tennessee kind of lacked for the most part. They kind of they had a little bit more this year, but really the last couple of years that they've they've to me needed more aggressiveness on offense. Because I I love uh, Josiah Jordan James, but he's to me almost too selfless to a you know selfless to a fault. Sometimes he he kind of looks like he got guys involved a little too much instead of kind of taking the ba- the ball himself and trying to do some more things with his six six two fifteen frame that he has. Is Quentin more of an aggressive guy? Or is, I mean, I imagine he's you know going to get his teammates involved, but how would you say it, he is as, as an aggressive player? Or is he not very aggressive? You know, How would you kind of define that? Yeah, he's looking for a shot. Now, that part of it was out of need, too. We needed mm-hmm. him to score, and he knew that we needed him to score. So he is not, not shy about uh, creating a shot and going and getting a basket. So he is definitely a guy that, that will be hunting a shot and can create his own shot. Uh, so he'll he can do that uh, for Tennessee if they need him to do that next year. Good, that's uh, I like to hear that. Tennessee, I think, does need someone like him on the roster. Um, I, I like to hear that a lot. I'm, I'm sure all fans are going to be very excited to hear to see him because Tennessee's gotten to see an exciting French player the last few years on the roster, and now they're going to see hopefully another exciting French player on the roster for the next few years. Uh, Tennessee's getting that that French connection there with Eve Pons and now with Quentin. Uh, really quickly here again, I appreciate it. Don't want to take up too much of your time. Talked a lot about his his you know what he does on the court, 
But I'm curious, what kind of person is Quentin off the court? What, what kind of personality should Vol fans expect from him? You know, what kind of person is Tennessee getting with Quentin? A cute, good kid, uh, soft-spoken. You know, with foreign international players, there is an adjustment. There's an adjustment language barrier, and so obviously English is his second language. So I think it took him some time to get comfortable with the guys and be confident in his English. So he was uh, not as vocal as you you would like your your better players to be, but that's part of you know English being his second language. So. He uh, he got along with the guys, but soft-spoken, uh, man of few words. But I'm sure he'll, as he gets more comfortable with his English, he'll be more outgoing and he'll open up more. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that too because when I when I talked to him, it seems like he has a pretty good handle on the English language. Like it, it does seem like he's and basically bilingual at this point. I know that was one thing. Uh, speaking of Eve Pons, that when he first came to Tennessee from France in the Incep Academy, um, a big barrier to his kind of first year or year and a half at Tennessee was, you know, trying to learn English. And it, it didn't, it wasn't to me from what I heard and stuff about him, it, it wasn't, you know, it didn't come as naturally to him. It, he was still kind of learning the language and, and was having kind of a language barrier there when he first got to Tennessee. But the eight to 10 minutes I talked with Quentin, he seemed, I mean, it, there was no issue with anything I, I was saying to him or he was saying to me, like he, he seemed like he really understood it. So I, I you know, I'm curious, in, in your opinion, does he seem like, you know, when he first got there, I imagine it was a little different, but now where he is, after sort of talking to him for a brief period of time, I think he's probably fine. I, I, don't, I don't see him probably struggling at the college level with having to learn, you know, the terminology and things like that. That'll, that'll be different, but just from a, a pure communication standpoint with his English, and to me, he sounds great. To me, to me, he sounds like, you know, obviously he has a French accent, but to me, he just sounds like a kid that, I mean, I wouldn't have known he didn't speak English as a as a you know second language really like really well if I didn't know you know where he's from. Yeah, he's, excuse me, he's come a long way. It really, he's gotten a lot more comfortable. His English has gotten much better as the year uh, went on, and he understands everything. Sometimes, on occasion, would have difficulty, you know, expressing how he felt or what what he was trying to get across. But mm-hmm. he has come a long ways, and having been at you know, Montverde for a year living in the States has really prepared him, you know, for Tennessee, not only, you know, from an on the court, but also off the court standpoint as well. Well, coach, is there anything else about Quentin that you would like Vol fans to know, whether it's on the court, off the court, or, or anything else like that? Is there, is there anything else you'd like to you know, tell our listeners here that they may not know or that I haven't asked you about him? Uh, well, I think you cover most of it, but uh, they're, they're getting a heck of a player, and I'm excited to watch him uh, develop. Uh, under the coaching staff, I know they got a great staff uh, at Tennessee, so it's an exciting opportunity for him, and they're they're going to see a few highlights from him throughout his career. That's for sure. Awesome. Well, Coach, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking time out of your, your day to do this. I, I'm excited to see what Quentin brings to the team. I'm sure Vol fans probably after hearing this are probably even more excited about what he brings to the roster, a roster that's <laughs> going to look very different next year than what I did this year. But I, I really appreciate it, Coach. It's been very nice talking with you and learning more about Tennessee's newest commit. Excellent. Well, Nathaniel, thanks for having me, and I appreciate your time as well. Again, a big thank you to Coach Ben Wisniewski for joining me on the podcast, and a big thank you to all of you listening at home, at work, on the drive, at working out, wherever you may be. Really appreciate you guys. Share this with other Vol fans. Share this with anyone who you may think would like the podcast, who likes Tennessee basketball, who likes college basketball, SEC basketball, 
whatever it is, you know, share it around. The more listeners we have, the more we can do. And, you know, we really appreciate you guys who stuck with us through the rebranding and all of you who are new to the show, new to the podcast. We really appreciate that a ton. As mentioned at the beginning, you can find us at uh, Vol Hoops Fever on Twitter, Vol Basketball Fever on Facebook, and you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcast, and the Podbean app, and now on iHeartRadio as well. I am Nathaniel Rutherford, and again, Gene Henley and I should have another episode next week. Until then, though, this has been another episode of the Vol Basketball Fever Podcast.